Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter Do Death. Hello, Phoebe. Hi, Dad. How are you? I'm fine. Good. It's good to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Nearly the end of 2021. Nearly the end of 2021, although 2022 doesn't look like it's going to be shaping up much better at the moment. (laughs) The first couple of months are looking pretty bleak, it has to be said. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but um, in this episode, though, we're going to um, reminisce over our, well, nearly a year of podcasting, our dad and daughter do death stories by having an end of year quiz. Yay! (laughs) So I think the format is going to be that we will take it in turns to ask each other questions. And I think we've prepared 10 questions each. Yes. And uh, hopefully our listeners will be able to play along and see if they can remember some of the details that we cover. Now, yes. my questions are quite straightforward, but uh, they might bring back some memories of the stories. Some of mine are maybe a little bit more difficult, but some of them are quite easy, I think. Oh, but... <laughs> Depends how recently you listen to the uh, podcast. Right, okay. Well, it's just a bit of fun. Absolutely. But yeah, let us know your scores. Uh, Yes. And, uh... Yeah, we'll certainly announce the winner of anybody that uh, lets us know how many they got right. Yes. And just remember, it's just for fun. So, so mm. keep it honest. <laughs> I'm the most competitive person ever. Ah, right. <laughs> Toby started wanting to play snakes and ladders. Oh, um, yeah. Which is lovely, but also I'm finding it quite stressful because. <laughs> I'm not well, he keeps winning and I'm not winning, so I'm finding it quite stressful that he's winning <laughs> and I'm not. Okay. So, who's going to go first? Should we do rock, paper, scissors to decide? Yes, let's do that. Okay. Best out okay. of one or three or five? Or... We'll go We'll go until one of us loses. Oh, okay. All right. One, one two, two, three. Two, three. Yeah! Uh, I've got scissors. <laughs> scissors cuts paper. All right, so... Yeah. Yes, so then Phoebe, kick us off with our end of year 2021 dad and daughter do death quiz. So, question number one. What did Carl Denker claim that the meat he was selling was? So which animal did Carl Denker claim that the meat that he was selling was? Uh, I think I know this one because, yeah, it's stuck in my mind vividly. I believe he... (laughs) said he was selling pickled pork yes that is correct it was <laughs> yeah pickled pork but it wasn't it was it was human flesh human flesh that he was yes. uh pickling and, mm, and selling and doing quite mm. well out of it i believe really well yeah quite a uh quite a lucrative career for him leading to the deaths of an awful lot of people Yes, it, it probably was at a time when they couldn't get meat and there he was selling his pickled pork in jars. Yep. Nice. Mm. So I get a point there then. You get a point there, yes. All right, so I guess this would be question number two then. Louis-Joseph Philippe was found guilty of the murder of eight people in 1866. He attributed his evil ways to the drinking of a certain spirit that became popular in Paris at about the same time. Can you remember what that spirit was? It was absinthe. It was, yeah. And for a bonus 
well, not a bonus point, but just for the fun of it. What did they used to call it? Or what was the sort of uh, fun name or colloquial name they used to give it? I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> no, they used to call it the Green Fairy. Ah, I was going to say the Green something. But green yeah. Fairy, yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it like became very popular. Rouge. Like in Moulin Rouge, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they used to have like an absinthe hour at like five o'clock in the evening. Oh God. Yeah. Can you imagine? And uh, they used to mix it with water and sugar mm-hmm. to make it more palatable. But uh, yeah, yes, it gave it. it gave Louis Joseph Philippe a bit of an alcohol problem, which um, then sent him off the rails and caused him to commit murder to all those people. So that's one each. There you go. So back in the summer, we looked at the case of Dr. John Bodkin Adams and one of his relatives actually got in touch with us and um, remember. so that she remembered him, which was uh, very lovely for her to do so. So John Bodkin Adams was found not guilty of um, the murders that he was accused of. Right. However, several laws were changed after his acquittal to kind of stop what happened happening again. And there's two specific ones that um, are still very much in place today. Can you remember what those two laws are which changed in the aftermath (laughs) of his acquittal? That's quite tough. Was one of them about the having to have a death certified by two doctors? No. No. Oh, was one of them about medicines, drugs, picking up? Um, yes. Something to do with prescribing medicine. You can have a point for that. <laughs> so it was the dangerous drug regulation in that you had to say exactly how much you had prescribed to somebody. You couldn't just say that you had prescribed something to somebody. There had to be a record for how much you had prescribed right. to yep. somebody. Okay. But yeah, it required a signed and dated record of patient details and the total dose used because before that, you just needed to say, yeah, they'd, they'd had those drugs. But after that, you had to say exactly how much they'd had. And the other one was establishing the principle of double effect, which is that if the doctor gave treatment to a seriously ill patient with the aim of relieving pain or distress, and then as a result of that, the person's life was inadvertently shortened, the doctor was not guilty of murder. Right. Um, right. which is quite controversial I think yeah. but um, yeah so it kind of indemnified doctors who were giving pain relief to people and then which caused them to die essentially if it was given with the best of intentions yeah okay yep so I only get one out of two for that one then that's okay <laughs> okay right so question number four then my first three questions to you, Phoebe, are, are all around the French cases that I did fairly early on uh, okay. in our podcasting career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marcel Petiot had various jobs and careers, including being a doctor. But one of his final misdemeanors was to offer Jews in France safe passage out of the country during World War Two. Can you remember what part of the world he said that he could get them to? Uh, was it South America? 
It was. Can you be a little bit more specific? Was it Argentina? It was Argentina. Yeah, well done. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he made the claim, whether or not it was true or not, but he made the claim that Argentina demanded inoculations. I suppose it's a bit oh, like okay. today where people need to uh, prove that they've been vaccinated <laughs> before trouble. they travel. But instead of inoculating them against whatever it was, smallpox or uh, <laughs> German measles or, or yeah. whatever else was the thing at the time, he actually injected them with cyanide, which obviously killed them very quickly. He then either dropped their bodies into lime pits or incinerated them in his stove after having stripped them all their jewellery and robbed them of all their possessions. Mm-hmm. What a lovely character. Mm. And he got away with it for quite a long time, didn't he? He did, yeah. <laughs> Before people realised that it was uh, yeah. going <laughs> Something on. Something a bit dodgy going on. So after four questions, that's uh, that's two points each then, Phoebe. Yes, we are drawing. <laughs> we are tying. Okay, question number five. Which royal did Jane Andrews work for? Ah, now Jane Andrews ended up looking pretty much like her employer because she uh, changed her appearance or modelled herself on her. And her employer was Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York. Yes, you are correct. Uh-huh. I thought that was quite an easy one. Didn't she fall from high places after a period in jail when she was let out and working on a market stall somewhere, if memory serves She was working in Morrison's, right? I think. Oh, Morrison's. She was working in Morrison's, yeah, over... Right. Um... No, well, again, thanks to all the supermarket workers that have kept going throughout the whole of the last well best part of two years pandemic keeping those stocks on the shelves and um, deliveries and all the rest of it so yeah we we hadn't asked to delivery this morning and um, the guy was very world weary let's say (laughs) i think Ah. he he was ready for his christmas break (laughs) i bet he was (laughs) okay then question six when was now this uh, question six? Now this isn't related to any specific case, although we did talk about it with the uh, Marcel Petiot case, I think it was, okay. and probably others as well. But when was the last execution by guillotine carried out in France? It was a lot more recently than you think. It was, yeah. Um. I want to say in like the 1960s. Yeah, it's later than that. Oh, wow. Okay. 70s? <laughs> 1974. Close enough. It was 1977. Oh, okay. When wow, France that is carried late, out. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, it happened in 1977. Hamida Jandoubi. Uh, who arrived in France from Tunisia in 1968, kidnapped, tortured and murdered a 22-year-old woman called Elizabeth Bouquet in 1974. He was sentenced to death in February 1977 and was executed in September of the same year. So again, as we found out with some of these older cases, no hanging around on death row. No, that wasn't that old though. That's it. Well, actually, nearly well, fifty years. Ago, well but... and truly within my <laughs> lifetime. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, it is uh, weird to think that they were chopping people's heads off mm. in France 
as recently as that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'll give you a point for that. So it was actually it's... 1977. <laughs> I, was, I was close. <laughs> you were very close, yeah. Question number seven. Yep. The DuPont de Lyonnais family disappeared in 2011 with the mother and the children found buried underneath the terrace and the dad, uh, Xavier, um, never being found. But which city in France did the Dupont de Ligonnès family live in? Um, was it as obvious as Paris? It was not Paris. Yeah, it wasn't Paris. <laughs> kind of close to Paris. <laughs> oh, was it like Lyon? No. Wasn't Leon. Close to Paris. Um I I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> it was Nantes. Nantes, okay. All right. No, I didn't get that one right. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um That's okay. Yeah, that, I think that's probably one of my favourite ones that we've done and uh Shout out to Richard there because that's his favourite. He's listened to it like ten times because <laughs> it's his favourite one that we've covered. Right, so question number eight. Now, this is going to be a two-pointer, so you can uh, okay. potentially make two points for this one. In the story of how Kenneth Reagan swindled Amajit Chohan, Amajit realised that while he was imprisoned in a bungalow in Wiltshire, that he was probably not going to survive. He concealed something about himself which was eventually found during post-mortem examinations and which ultimately led to the conviction of Kenneth Regan. For two points, can you remember what it was that Amajit found in the room that he was being held in and where he put it? I think it was in his sock. It was in his sock, yep. What was it? I want to say it was a receipt. It wasn't a receipt. It was something mm. that had an address on it. Was it like a bank letter or a yeah, contract? Yeah, it was. It was, it, was a, it was a letter from the bank or building society addressed to Kenneth Regan's father, whose right. bungalow it was. Right, because it was house that he'd taken them to, yeah. wasn't it? That's right, yeah. So um, he Kenneth Regan was like doing all this drug smuggling and stuff, and he wanted to haul you company like um yeah shipping yep. company and that's when he swindled Amajit Chauhan out of his company which was based near Heathrow part of the swindle was to kill him and his family yep. and um if didn't you remember, he bury them all like on a farm and then he, he dug did. them back up and then yeah dropped, dropped them in the sea say. and then the bodies started washing up yeah uh, around Bournemouth Pier and things like that so yep. uh, that. yeah yeah <sighs> we covered that in way back in episode seven so, oh, wow. Uh, if you're interested in uh, yeah, hearing about that. That was a good episode, that was. Uh, yeah, go go back and listen to episode seven. That was uh, that was good. So, um, yeah, I'll give you two points as it's Christmas for really. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Question number nine. Austrian murderer Jack Unterweger was released from prison. And not long after that, he started on a... I don't want to say it was, a, it was a spree, but he he started killing prostitutes all around Europe and got himself quite well known as an as a reporter as well at the same time. And he started reporting on these murders and the 
uh, police were really interested in this work. So they sent him to Los Angeles to report on prostitution and the safety of prostitution in Los Angeles. And then while he was in Los Angeles, he murdered three prostitutes that he discovered while he was over there. He did, didn't he? (laughs) What is the name of the hotel, the infamous hotel that Jack Untervega stayed at in his time in Los Angeles? That hotel became famous for another death, didn't it? Yes. Was this the one where the body of a young woman was found in the water tank on the roof. Yes. Although foul play was never, yeah, n- no. never did found. Um, yeah, I think that was the Hotel Cecil or Cecil, as they were calling Cecil. it in the uh, yes. <laughs> in the, the in the Netflix four part story about that particular hotel. Yes, is that it right? Was the Cecil, the Cecil. Yes, mm. um, and. Necronomapod, who I talk about quite a lot, um, they did a really good episode on the Cecil Cecil a few weeks ago, just talking about kind of all the ridiculous stuff that's happened there. You know, Richard Ramirez used to go there after his murderers, murders, and it's just in a really bloody part of Los Angeles and how they've kind of yeah. tried to rebrand and obviously the Ali Salam story, which they think now was just a, a bipolar episode, basically. She just had this kind of massive episode, even though it was all very weird. Um, I think that's what happened. And yeah, Jack Untervega stayed there on his trip to Los Angeles, researching prostitutes and killing them while he was there too. Amazing. Amazing that he got away with that. (laughs) Yeah, for such a long time. Do I get a point for that? Yes. Okay, thank you very much. So now we're on to question 10. Mary Elizabeth Wilson from South Tyneside managed to lose three husbands in just over two years, and she was eventually convicted of their murders. Can you remember the name that people used to refer to her as? Was she the Mary Widow of Windy Nook? Yes, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Widow of Windy Nook, who um, had an unfortunate habit of making jokes at weddings for example oh saying, god yeah um, um like keep the buffet we use it for the funeral <laughs> keep keep the sandwiches because they'll be fresh enough for the funeral yeah, and yeah. <laughs> two weeks later her husband was dead ridiculous incredible yeah so she was she was a character mm. so, a very merry widow very merry widow and although that was sort of happening in the 1950s it was around about the time that the whole uk death penalty law was being revisited and revised Mm. and um, because of that uncertainty and also her age she didn't actually face the death penalty she just died of natural causes in prison she was a character she was yeah (laughs) question number 11 how many victims did Gesha Gottfried have she was the German lady who had the very unfortunate circumstances of members of her family just started dying around her quite regularly um i'll give you a multiple choice for this because it's a bit okay (laughs) so was it 7 15 or 22 was this like in the 1700s or 1800s it was quite a long time ago 1800s i think yeah it was quite a long time ago yeah um Um, and they all this her family just kept getting struck down with these awful and like acquaintances as well, kept getting struck down with these like awful 
stomach bugs whenever they came around for dinner and then they'd die <laughs> relatively quickly afterwards that it was um she was poisoning them with arsenic it, it was arsenic but it was mouse butter um which oh, was the kind mouse of rat, yeah. rat poison which um was kind of yeah arsenic mixed in with the animal fat that they used to put out for obviously rats to kill the rats um right. and, yeah, she used to put it in I was mouse butter <laughs> and she was putting that in um people's food <laughs> to kill uh, them. i'm going to take a stab at from your options 22 it was 15 oh 15 it was a big um, but, number but yeah okay. I thought it was more than, I thought it was more than actually when I kind of went back to like look and see exactly how many it was but yeah 15 people a mixture of her well her parents her husbands yeah. <laughs> um her brother when her brother started kind of challenging her on the fact that you know where's the inheritance gone and things like that and then <laughs> um it was a, a friend that she kind of tried to poison Toward, people kind of kept give like helping her out and offering her money and then she'd kill them and it was a friend kind of at the end who suspected that there was something going on and right. took this food to a doctor's and said someone's tried to give me this and they were like yeah no that's got arsenic in it yeah. <laughs> and then um, and she was executed in the town that they lived in which was Bremen and there's still that kind of stone there where people go to oh show yeah their disgust that's right they spit yeah. on it all and stuff they spit on the stone, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah wow another character yeah. <laughs> and another one that was from a really long time ago that was kind of maybe february time that we did that that was one of the first ones that we did i think no that was episode number six well thank you very much for that re- memory <laughs> of the mouse butter the um, mouse butter. <laughs> mouse butter. question number 12 Donald Nielsen is most famous for the abduction and of causing the death of Leslie Whittle. But before he carried out that particular audacious crime, he robbed a number of mm, a particular type of premises to try Mm -hmm. and get money, sometimes using guns, sometimes not. Can you remember what sort of place targeted on several occasions post offices it was post offices yes well done (laughs) (laughs) very good memory for (laughs) for these stories yeah and i think did he kill someone i can't remember if he did or not yeah there was like a guy there was there was a guy that he killed wasn't there um yeah was it maybe one of the last ones that he did yeah he he kind of threatened someone with the gun and it kind of went went off. off essentially and it went off in a used to do it in the middle of the night mostly to like little sub post yeah. offices in little towns and things and some of them around the midlands uh, yeah and he used to tra- drive down from bradford He's yeah like, like a You're, really long way yeah little towns sub post offices where the postmaster and his wife or whatever lived up up the shop and um yeah threatened him in the night and stuff like that yeah and we covered the uh dennis nilson and leslie little case back in episode 20 in june this year that feels a like longer ago than that for question 13 another case we covered in june and it was our first face-to-face recording we talked about the case of kenneth pete field who oh, yes. was in prison for trying to hire a hitman to kill his first wife starting an affair with his cellmate's wife via 
letter and then when he left prison moved in with that lady Susan Craven and then went on to murder her (laughs) do you remember where they found Susan Craven's head I think I do it was in a block of cement it was concrete (laughs) yeah was it something to do with like a garden ornament or something like that He'd made uh, like no, a... it was just a kind oh. of block of. It was kind of there was loads of concrete stuff going on, and it was just kind of a oh, okay. block of cement that was in the garage that they found. Yeah. Wow. Grim. Where, where was the rest of her body? Never found it. Never found the rest of her body. They never but, found the rest of her. But her head was in that block of concrete. Yeah. <laughs> I think they think that he'd been kind of putting lots of her in concrete and then kind of chucking it in rivers and stuff but he'd not got around to kind of getting rid of her head basically by the time they found it all right okay nice i'll add it to my not very good score (laughs) you're doing all right close question 14 in episode 32 we covered the story of stilo christofi how she travelled over from Cyprus to visit her son, who was living in London, who she hadn't seen for like 12 years. During her stay, which looked like it was lasting for about a year, and everyone was fed up with her being around, she had a particularly vicious argument with her daughter-in-law, who she did, in actual fact, end up killing can you remember how Stilo Christoffi tried to dispose of her daughter-in-law's body? She set it on fire in the back garden. She did. Did she? Yeah. She smacked around the head with one of those boiler things, <laughs> like a That's right, the ash pan, the ash pan, the ash, the ash yeah. pan from a from a coal boiler, yeah, from the kitchen. Yeah. She and did, then, yeah. Um, then strangled to... her. Yes, I think so. And then tried to set a fire to her in the garden. Yeah. And the neighbour said he he thought that she was trying to burn a mannequin. Yeah. yeah. I guess you don't just that you don't expect it to be a person, do you, when you see like a dead body on fire? <laughs> I suppose you don't really know. Yeah, and then she was hanged at Holloway Prison in nineteen fifty four. So she never made it back to Cyprus. But well done for remembering that she did indeed try to set fire to her daughter-in-law's body. Mother-in-law from hell. Question number 15. How many dolls were found in Anatoly Moskvin's house, apartment, that he shared with his parents when the police went to check on him? Was it 17, 26 or 34? It won't be the middle one again, will it? have to make a decision and remember i don't think it can be that i mean 17 even the lowest number sounds quite a lot um i'm gonna go with 17 it was 26 no it was the middle one again (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah i thought it was a lot more than that i didn't mind it was like 80 something and then when i kind of went back to check it was like oh it's only 26 26 is 26 dead bodies is still quite a lot of dead bodies to have in your house isn't it yeah not good (laughs) But yes, he, he was the one that uh, used to dig up newly buried young girls that had sadly yeah. died and uh, saw their bodies and basically 
mummify them. Yeah, mummified them. Kind of mummified them. Stuff they kind of dried them out. You know, wrapped them in stuff and basically mummified them and put clothes on them and put makeup on them and tried to, yeah, look after them essentially. How did he get away with that? Mm, I know for such a long like. Surely people would notice him stealing 26 bodies. Well, um, my next question to you, question number 16, is along the similar lines. In as much as, it's it's quite a a general question, this, but um, if you get the uh, gist right, I'll give you a point. What were resurrectionists? So they were people who dug up bodies of dead people and probably newly buried and then sold them to anatomists who wanted to research the anatomy of people and they couldn't get their hands on bodies any other way so resurrectionists went and dug up bodies for them to be able to do that yeah that's right yeah they had to get them fairly quickly after they've been buried usually the same day yeah before they decompose too much, otherwise there wouldn't have been much use to the uh, medical community that were trying to study anatomy. So good job uh, they're not doing it now. Like funerals seem to take weeks now. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to get anything from the, the bodies that have been sitting around for three weeks and then buried now. Yes, they, they managed, it was usually groups of people that are very skillful at their job, may even been grave diggers themselves that mm. <laughs> dug the grave yeah. in the first place, then came back at night. It was always done, well, pretty much always done at night to dig down. And they used to just dig down one end of the coffin and then pull on the lid until it snapped and pulled the body out of the hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take the clothes off, I think, wasn't it? And put the clothes back in the hole, back in the coffin, cover it all up, sell the body. Mm. Yeah. Not done anymore because oh. bodies are more generally available to <laughs> yes, but <laughs> um, people donating their bodies to medical science when they die. Well done. So you get a point for that. Thanks. So question 17. What was Russian serial killer Alexander Pushushkin's nickname? Oh, he was the chess player, wasn't he? Yeah. Um... You're so close. <laughs> <laughs> was it something like the check, not, not the checkerball killer, not the checkmate killer, the chessball killer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because did, didn't, uh, it's coming back to me now. Didn't he um, want to kill 64 people? One yeah, for every so square like, of a chessboard. Yeah, and they only convicted him of 49 murders and three attempted murders. And he was furious because he wanted the court to. Um, count the other ones because he wanted it to be that he said you know there's more you need to count these i did more than this and they're like no it's only 49 and he was furious that he hadn't managed to kind of fill his chessboard with murders didn't he um like just leave them lying around in parks things like that he's like dumped them down sewers right like into like drains and stuff yeah he found a lot of them in parks a lot of them were like kind of just homeless people that he found in parks and, and then and it was he, when they started noticing that people were going missing. That's when he kind of got caught. But it was over quite a long period of time. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? And wasn't he the one that, as a child, got hit on the head by a metal swing seat? Yeah, he was the one who, yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. He, the swing kind of swung back and cracked him in the head. And they and thought he was, was going to die um, of his head injury, but he didn't. 
but I think that did something and yeah I think about that every single time I go to the park (laughs) yeah question 18 for you Phoebe Graham Young was born in September 1947 he died of natural causes in prison in 1990 as a young boy he was fascinated by what subject poison yeah chemistry and toxicology he talks himself a lot about chemistry and toxicology which he was absolutely fascinated about to the extent that when he was only 13 he managed to convince a pharmacist that he was a lot older 17 in actual fact uh, and managed to convince the pharmacist to sell him antinomy which uh, yes. he, he liked to experiment with by poisoning people around him, his family and <laughs> his be. best friend at school. Yeah. So, yes, uh, you can have a point for the fact that Graham Young was fascinated at a very early age with chemistry and toxicology. And was poisoning his family. <laughs> yeah. Question 19. What was Swedish doctor Tate Ham? What was his very convenient profession? Uh, he was a doctor, wasn't he? Can you be a little bit more specific? I'm not sure I can. Hang on, I'm just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> was he? Oh, he was a pathologist, wasn't he? He was, yeah. he was a friend. That's right, yes. because he ended up carrying out the autopsies, the post mortems on. Well, at least one of his own victims. Yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. 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 He was kind of killing prostitutes now. and they were taken to him for autopsy. And uh, then, yeah, and he, he'd killed them and then he was doing the autopsy <laughs> on them as well. <laughs> some of these stories that we've just sort of reminded ourselves, you couldn't make these up, could you? I know, they're ridiculous, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> Absolutely fascinating, some of the stories that, <laughs> yeah. that are out there. Yes, he was a pathologist in in Sweden who uh, has, mm-hmm. yeah in Stockholm. Yeah. Okay, so I get a point for that. You got a point for that, yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's the final question of our twenty twenty one wrap up of Dad and Daughter Do Death. What number do you get if you add the number of children that Rose West gave birth to to the number of murders? Attributed to the Wests. Quite a lot. Right. Let's think this. I think that she gave birth to five children. No. No, she had five children with Fred. Oh, was it five in total? No. Oh, six? Seven? (laughs) Eight? Eight, yeah. She had three from various clients that she um, she entertained as part of her prostitution business. One of them she may have been work. her own father's child as yes, well. Yes, of course. She gave, she gave birth to eight. And how um, many murders were t- in total attributed, that we know about, that were attributed to the Wests? Honestly, seven, six. 12? It was 12. Yes, that's a lucky guess. <laughs> you get the number 20. <laughs> you get the number 20. Well done. I don't think yes. I should get a point for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was trying to go through my head. So, under the floor of the cellar uh, and under the floor of the bathroom, 
there were six bodies, mostly hitchhikers or lodgers that they'd had at some point or other living in the house. There were three in the garden, including Heather, the the their eldest daughter, wasn't she, Heather? Yeah. Or Fred and Rose the between them. Uh, there was one at that their previous address, Midland Road. That was Charmaine. Yeah. And then there were the two women that were found in the field. So one of them yeah, was... Yeah, that's right. One of them was Anne McFall, and the other one was Rena, who was Fred's first yeah, wife. First the, wife. The mother, the actual biological mother of Charmaine and of Anna Marie. Yeah. Add that lot together. You've got 12 deaths, eight children that she gave birth to. Totally 20. At the end of that gripping quiz, after 10 questions each, but one question each is worth two points. So there's a total of 20. Well, there's a total of 11 points each that we could have got. Yeah. Um, I scored eight. And Phoebe, you're the winner with 10. Yay! <laughs> but it was just a bit of fun, wasn't it? <laughs> it was just a bit does it, of fun. <laughs> doesn't matter who won. <laughs> it was just good. It was genuinely really good just to try and remember some of those stories that we've covered. And yeah. to say that the craziness of some of them. Just yeah. Bad. And all of them really interesting stories as well. They have been, like, yeah. There are a few others that we haven't covered that um, were also interesting this year. The whole story of Edith Thompson and Fred Bywater, particularly yeah. Edith Thompson, has stuck with me. There wasn't a question on that, but uh, the fact that she was um, dealt with such a rough hand, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was very unsafe, that conviction. And, and the fact that she was only recently, in the last three years, Reburied, buried for yeah. the third time oh, uh, in the same lot, isn't it? great. Yeah, she was buried at Holloway to start with when she was first mm-hmm. executed. Then she was uh, reinterred in some graveyard, unmarked grave in Surrey. With the Steely. Uh, yeah, with Steely, actually. Yeah. And a couple of other women. Mm-hmm. And um, finally, her campaign was. Uh, Launched to get her remains moved to be with her parents. Yeah. There was a story of uh, mm. Joanne Dennehy that you, uh, yeah. you covered back in, she was back in the summer. She was bizarre. And then there was the um, the, the murder of Katazina Zawada. Well, they found her skin floating. A bit of a, yeah, skin. Floating in the river. Yes. There was John yeah. Haig, who was... Dissolving people in the bath. <laughs> the, acid, the acid bath murderer, yes. Mm-hmm. How do people yeah. get away with these things? It, I uh, the thing I find fascinating about some of these older murders is that how they manage to get away with buying poisons yeah. and barrels of acid <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. And people just went around Lime doing and... <laughs> yeah. Whereas these days, there's so many uh, yeah. controls in place. Yeah, if you bought a barrel of acid, people would be asking you questions, wouldn't they? You'd have to register it and all the rest of it. If you went into yeah. boots and asked for a gram of arsenic or something, they probably wouldn't sell it to you. I don't think so. Do they even sell it in boots? <laughs> no, probably not. It's all very different now, isn't it? Drugs are much more controlled. Yeah. As you've already was, discussed today. There was no internet, so people didn't know what was going on. There were no mobile phones to track you. <laughs> no. There were no controls over what you couldn't couldn't get away with and the forensic science was so poor as well yeah 
Thanks very much. That was I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah, well, it was well really done, good to Phoebe, look back your... over the. Uh, if any of you uh, played along with us, please let us know how you got on, and uh, if yeah. any of those stories rang any bells with you. If if you share our fascination by some of these crazy, crazy stories, yeah, let us know. Good to hear from yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And uh, thank you for listening to us this year. It's been yeah. great to have you along with us for this fun little thing we wish you all a happy and safe new year yes and uh fingers crossed 2022 is yeah very happy and healthy for all of you and your families yeah you can always get in touch with us through our social media pages either instagram at dad and daughter ddf or through facebook just search for dad and daughter do death and you can email us at dad and daughter do death at gmail.com so join us in 2022 when once again dad and daughter do death